If you have your Bibles tonight, turn with me, if you would, to John, John chapter 5. Um, this summer, I'm really excited about it because we are just encouraging everybody uh, to have fun and hang out with their families, go on vacations, and do life together. And uh, uh, we're going we're to do our best to help uh, facilitate that. We have three beach days planned. How many of you guys love the beach? Come on. Um, I love the beach, but I'm worried that if I moved to the beach, I would, be, I would just get too like, laid back and I would just not get anything done. So I, I live downtown, but I love to go and visit the beach. And so we're going to do three beach days throughout the summer, as well as some uh, block parties right down here in downtown. And so uh, we're just encouraging people to hang out with one another and have fun. Uh, John chapter 5. I'm going to read to you um, from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. And it says this. It says, For by grace... You have been saved through faith. And that is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Listen this. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. John chapter 5. And if you're here tonight wondering, if, are we continuing our series, Uncensored? We're actually going to take a break uh, for two weeks. And we've been having a great series. We started it off about four or five weeks ago. We've talked about marriage, what the Bible has to say about marriage. Uh, we talked about divorce. What does the Bible say about divorce? Uh, we talked then about uh, sex. That's right. How could I forget that one? Hello. Um, we talked about sex and what the Bible has to say about sex. And then we talked, my wife talked last week about abortion and what the Bible says about abortion. Um, and the next one we're going to do is what the Bible says about homosexuality, um, because obviously there's a lot of people that want to know the answer to that one, and what does the Bible really say about it. Um, but um, I just felt like tonight God had a special word for you, um, and then I don't want to talk about it next week because it's Father's Day, and uh, we just want to celebrate dads. And so if you're a dad here tonight, make sure you come back next week. we got a great gift for all the dads. And then the week after that, we're going to talk about what the Bible says about homosexuality. John chapter 5, verse 1 says this, after this there was a feast of the Jews. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades or, or five pools. In these lay a multitude, not a few, not a couple, but a multitude of in, in, uh, invalids. Some blind, some lame, and some paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. While I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he, looked, and he took up his bed and he walked. Verse 6, Do you want to be healed? Get up, take up your bed, and walk. Do you want to be healed? Get up, take up your bed, and walk. Do you want to live in your dream? Do you want to live in your destiny? Do you want to fulfill the plans and the purpose that God has for you? Get up. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word tonight. God, we thank you that your word is alive, it's living, it's active. God, I pray that tonight that your word would come alive, Lord, not just through me speaking, but God, in, in everyone's hearing tonight. That, Lord, we would hear the word, and God, we would do the word, and God, we would see it, God, established in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This last week, um, I, I just kind of hit me, and uh, on June 12th, uh, marked the one-year anniversary from when we moved back to San Diego. My wife and I, like I mentioned earlier, 
um, helped plant a church back in 99 in Rancho Bernardo. Uh, the church is doing great, great church up in that area. And in 2004, uh, God began to speak to us uh, about a transition that we would go through. And then in 2005, we moved uh, to Las Vegas, Nevada to help start a church there. There for three and a half years and uh, about Three years into it, God just really began to speak to us again about starting that church in downtown San Diego. And so my wife and I, we began to pray. And sure enough, June 12th of last year, we moved back here, uh, me and my wife and Lauren. And uh, we had a, the biggest U-Haul they had, and all of it was full. Uh, three quarters of it was full of my daughter's toys. Uh, the other quarter was full of stuff we decided to keep. And uh, so we made the journey down here. We had lined up people to help us move into our new condo. And uh, we pull up, and no one was there to help us move in. Anybody had that happen before? Yes, it's a great feeling. It's like, you know, anyway. So nobody was there to help us move in, and so, um, so I did what any good husband would do. I sent my wife and Lauren on to unload everything while I watched the kids. And uh, while they did that, um, I watched the kids, and, t- and I, was, I was trying to, yeah, that's right, my, my wife's actually got the guns. So, um, so they unloaded. I, I quickly found a babysitter, and, and the babysitter came over, and then I went over to help them, but they were already pretty much done. And uh, so I just left and said, you guys finish it up. No, I was kidding. Um, and uh, so anyway, I was thinking about, man, our transition here. I was thinking about our journey here. And, and storage was really a new concept to us because we moved from a big home, three-car garage in Las Vegas. So it's like all, you know, all the cars were parked out here and then the garage. You have one of those garages and it's just all full of, of junk, okay? And so storage unit was a new concept to us and it was definitely a new concept to my kids. And so uh, moving from 2,400 square feet to 1,000 square feet, that's a big transition. And uh, so we told our, our daughters, look, you're going to have to pick two bins of toys that you can keep at the house. The rest is going to storage, okay? And like I said, they don't have a concept of storage. So they picked their two favorite bins, and we put everything else in storage. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, they would play with these toys and whatnot, and they would start to ask about the other toys, and we'd say, well, they're in storage. So to them, storage turned into this place where things just disappeared, Okay. And we finally realized that they thought, man, storage meant the place where things are bye-bye, okay? So I remember one day we walked into their room and we were like, hey, um, kids, you need to clean up your room. Okay, mom and dad, we'll clean up our room. And so we go and we take care of some stuff. We come back, the room is still messy. Kids, you need to clean up the room. Oh, okay, mom and dad, we'll clean up the room, you know. Come back an hour later, the room's not cleaned up. And so I said, if you do not clean up these toys, they are going to storage. Fear hit their eyes. They're like, No! Not storage. So they begin to shove things in boxes, you know, and shove things under the bed, you know, clean up like you do, you know, and, and jam things in the drawer. And, uh, and then they did not want their toys to go to storage. Why? Because storage was the place where toys disappeared. And so we thought, man, that's kind of cool. We know how to motivate them to clean up the room, you know. So we just bypassed the whole, hey, clean up your room. If we saw the room messy, hey, if you don't clean it up, it's going to storage. Boom, it was clean like that, okay. And uh, so this went on for some time and until one day, um, I remember I got up early in the morning before the kids were up and I was like, babe, I need to run to storage to grab something. And she said, okay, I'll see you in a little bit. So I run to storage and, and I come back from storage and my kids have tears coming down their eyes. And I'm like, whoa, what's going on? There's drama in the house. And so I was like, babe, what's going on? And, 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 and my wife says, well, um, when I told them you were going to storage, Faith started to cry. I was like, no, no, I love daddy. I don't want daddy to go to storage. And because, you know, I love, don't want daddy to disappear in this black, this black hole. And it was at that moment I thought, you know what, maybe we, should, maybe we should stop threatening them with, you know, their toys are going to storage. And maybe we should really teach them what storage is. And the reason she had that thought is because we didn't do a good job teaching her what storage was. And I feel like this. I feel like there's a lot of people out there that view church like, whoa, 
Well, it's the big black hole where if I go, I'm going to disappear forever. Okay? <laughs> Those people are weird. I don't know what happens in there. And, and why is that? Because we haven't done a good job teaching people what church is. There are a lot of people out there that are like, ah, the Bible. Why is that? Because we haven't done a good job teaching them what the Bible says about subjects or about topics. And so because we haven't done our job teaching them, they have this standoff feeling. And so we've been going over the last four weeks what the Bible says about this, what the Bible says about marriage. Because some people view marriage as a big black hole, you know, like, ah, yeah. It's over, right? You know, the fun's over, the party's over, okay? And so we're doing, a, we've been doing a biblical say, what does the Bible say about these things? And, and can I just tell you this? That's really what we, we, we want to do here at Urban. Not just for a series, but we want to do this for life. We want to help people understand God. We want to help people understand what it means to, to be a Christian. Because honestly, you still talk to people and you tell them you're a Christian, and it's like they list off all the things you don't do. You know what I'm saying? And, and so anyway, uh, and so we want to do our best as urban just to teach people what it means to, to live by this thing, what it means to call myself a Christian, and, and what it means to, to be a Christ follower. And, and really that's what we want to do. Because see, a lot of people will look at the church and they think it's the place where, where they give their dream up. And you know what, man? I'm just going to go and I'm just going to serve the pastor. I'm just going to go and I'm going to serve that church and I'm just going to support him. You know, he seems like a pretty cool guy and he's got a hot wife. So you know what? Hopefully you're not thinking that, but I am thinking I have a hot wife. But you know, and and you know, so we'll just do that thing, and we'll just we'll just serve there. What do you want me to do? You know, and that's the way people view the church, or the people view the church as all they want is my, yeah. See, I didn't even have to, you know, it's my money. Okay, um, you know that's not what we're about. You know what? We we're here because we believe in you. We're here because we believe that you have a dream, that you have a destiny, and that it's really our job as a church and really my job as a pastor not to, not to try to find out how you fit into my dream, not to try to find out how you fit into this church, but try to find out how I can serve you and how I can say, hey, well, that's a great dream you have, and how can I help make that happen? How can I help give to that? How can I help support that? And here's the thing. If we build that culture here, if all, think about it now. If all of us have that idea that we're here to help people fulfill their dreams, how can you go wrong with a place like that? Are you with me? And when I look at the, when I look at the church in Acts, man, that was the church of Acts. I mean, the Bible says they had all things in common. They didn't look at what they had as their own. But man, it was God's, and so you know what? I don't need it right now. Here, you have it, all right? So if anybody has a Lamborghini, I need one for the weekend. No, I'm just kidding. It's a joke. Lighten up, people. But in this journey, there's something we have to understand. In this journey, that we have to understand that, that the church is not just a place where I come and, and everything, you know, okay, I said yes to Jesus and I'm going to church. Now, everything's perfect in life, okay? If you've experienced that, I want to meet you, okay? And if you haven't, I still want to meet you, but I really want to know how the other person's doing it, all right? It's not this place where you man, everything is perfect now. You wake up and, and the, the, the coffee is automatically percolating, you know? Actually, some of you probably have that programmable one where it's just, I haven't got there yet, okay? Uh, you know, you wake up and it's just, you look over at your nightstand and there's Starbucks sitting there, ping, you know? And they're like, man, breakfast in bed sure would be nice. Ping, there it is, you know? That, that is not Christianity. That is not the church. Uh, the Bible teaches us very clearly this principle, that there is divine sovereignty, what God does, and there is human responsibility, what we have to do. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says it's, we've been saved by grace, what God did through 
faith. Now, I know the Bible goes on to say this, that that faith is not our own, but God gave it to us. But can I tell you something? You have to activate that faith. The Bible says in Revelations that, that, that Jesus, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if you open up, then I'll come in. God's doing his part. He's knocking. God did his part. He put a dream inside of you. But now it's your part to activate faith and begin to walk in that dream, begin to live in that dream. That's why the Bible says things like exercise yourself towards godliness, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Those are all things you and I have to do. And I want to talk to you tonight about the dream that God has put in your life. I want to talk to you tonight about the destiny that God has for you. Because here's what I've noticed, ladies and gentlemen, that, that, that when you go to a kid and you ask the kid, hey, what's your dream? They don't have to sit there and be like, well, no, man, it's like I asked my daughter, four and six, right? I asked my daughter, what's your dream? Ice skater. <laughs> now, next week I might ask them, ballerina, you know, you know, poodle groomer, whatever, you know, <laughs> you know, it depends on what movie they watch, you know, if they watch, you know. But man, you don't have to coax them. It's just like, what's your dream? And it's like, boom, it's right there. They just know this is what they want to do. And, and although that might, dream might change as they grow, they know at that moment, this is what I'm going to do when I get older. Okay? But I've noticed something that life has a way of, of beating the dream out of you. Life has a way of coming and, and doing things to you where all of a sudden, because now you ask an adult, hey, what's your dream? And they're like, well... You see, I, I, right now I'm just looking for a job, and if I could find a job and make some money, then I would. The question was, was what's your dream, you know? But we can't give a straight answer. Why? Because we have been so blinded by all this stuff. It's like, you know, but I believe this. I believe God wants to come today and uncover all your circumstances and uncover all that stuff and get to the root of who you are and say, man, what did Christ Jesus lay hold of you? That's the whole premise of what Urban's found on it. And when Paul says in Philippians, man, to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of you. So that's my question to you tonight. Jesus asks this man, do you want to be healed? But I want to, I want to kind of change that question. And I want to ask you this question. Do you want to live in your dream? Do you want to live in the destiny and the thing that God has for you? Do you? Do you? There's something you have to do. There's something that's required of you. Man, when Jesus went to the cross, he said, it is finished. In other words, God did everything he's going to do on this earth through Jesus already. And now it's up to us to appropriate that, to put it in action, to say yes, to begin to walk in. Are you with me tonight? John chapter 5, great story that illustrates uh, this tonight. In John chapter 5, we, we see Jesus is now going in Jerusalem. Why? Because there's the Feast of the Jews going on. And he goes into Jerusalem. And as he's going into Jerusalem to celebrate, he comes by and he sees the, the pool. He sees the pools right there. And he looks, and the Bible begins to paint a very pathetic picture. Okay? You've got to understand something. This is not like, like these, these beautiful pools with fountains and, and gardens that you want to walk through and be like, oh, and drink your Starbucks and hold your wife's hand. Okay? This is like a pathetic sight. They, the Bible says this. It doesn't just say there's a couple of people. It says there is a multitude of invalids. Some blind, some lame, and some paralyzed. This, ladies and gentlemen, is a pathetic sight. So pathetic is this sight that Jesus stops. Okay? He stops. Why? Because it's pathetic and he wants to do something about it. Okay? 
So he sees this, and, and if we understand what the Bible's talking about, that once a year the angel of the Lord would come down, stir these waters, and whoever got into the water first got healed. Okay? So these people are sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting. They're hoping for their moment. They're, they're longing, man, if I can be the first one in. It's like playing the lottery. Okay? Now, I know none of you have bought lottery tickets like I have, but let's just pretend you did. Okay? Now, I haven't won the lottery yet. One of these days. Okay? But if you ever buy that lottery ticket and you buy that lottery ticket and you buy it a week in advance... How you dream that whole week. Now, what am I going to do with $127 million? <laughs> the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to tithe. You know. <laughs> and then I'm going to go on four billion vacations. You know. And you know how your mind works and you just dream about all the things you're going to do with $127 million to the point where you actually feel like I'm going to win this. Am I the only one that's been there? Be honest with me. Come on. Don't make me feel like an idiot, all right? Because I'm going to go buy one tonight. <laughs> Just kidding. But it's so fun. I mean, you sit there, and sometimes it's so exciting, you can't even go to sleep, and you're just like, wow, $127 million. And then you don't win it, and you're like... <sighs> it's almost like you feel like you lost all $127 million. It's like it was yours, and it's like, it's gone, man. Someone robbed the bank. It's not fair, you know? So I just go out and buy another ticket and dream for another week, all right? <laughs> this is what it's like for these people. For 12 months, man, I'm going to be the first one in the water. I'm going to get there. Man, when is that angel coming? And then they don't make it, and they're like, next year. It's pathetic. It's, it's a bad sight. There's blind people, paralyzed people, lame people, unable to do what they're supposed to do. The blind people can't do it because they can't see. The, the, the paralyzed people, they, they, they can't move. They're, they're unable. Listen to me. God never intended for you to live life. Listen to me. Jesus Christ did not die on the cross so that you could just get saved. Jesus Christ did not die on the cross because your past was so bad. Jesus Christ died on the cross because your future is really that awesome and really that great and the dream and the destiny that is inside. He said, wow, I want to die for that one. Are you with me? And so, man, he died for the dream. He, he wants to empower you to fulfill that thing. But here's the, the reason it's so pathetic is it, not just because people have issues. It's so pathetic because they're unable to fulfill the very reason of why God created them. And God never intended that. The blind people, uh, for our illustration tonight, they could represent people that can't see the dream. They're unable to see. They can't see the dream clearly. The paralyzed people, they, they might represent people that can see the dream, but because of issues, they can't obtain the dream. The lame people, they're just lame, okay? Lame people are just lame, okay? Now, before, before, we, before we get into this and we start thinking, yeah, man, I want to be like Jesus, and I want to go, and, and I want to help those people, man, and I want to go, and I want to minister to those people, and yeah, I'm going to be like Jesus. Let's go out and get some Blind, paralyzed, lame people. Okay? You got to understand something. I believe this. I believe that the picture and the prophetic word that God wants to speak to you tonight is that it's not speaking of the world. But Jesus is coming and the picture that's painted is one of the church. Say, so Ben, why do you say that? I say that for a couple reasons. One, uh, the Bible says that they're in Bethesda, which means house of mercy. But let me just stop there. It says that there were five pools or there were five roofed colonnades 
And anytime you see the word five in the Bible, the, the number five is actually means grace. Okay? You've been saved by grace. Okay? God's grace. God's the one that gives grace. God's house of mercy. But now there's something required of us. What's happening is this, is it's a picture of the church and the church is stifled. This church is blind. The church is paralyzed. The church is lame. They're not fulfilling the thing that God wants them to fulfill. So Jesus comes along. He says, look, this is not a picture of the world. This is a picture of us. Now, these people have become so self-absorbed, ladies and gentlemen. So what do you mean self-absorbed? I mean, come on, these poor people, they're lame, blind, and paralyzed. How could you call them self-absorbed? What's wrong with you, pastor? They've become so self-absorbed that the only thing they can think about is getting themselves in the pool. Okay? Getting themselves in. Now, I don't know what's wrong with the guy that's been lame for, or, or paralyzed for 38 years because 38 years is a long time to be laying there, right? I'm only 35, and so, you know, and I don't feel that old, but 38 years laying around by a pool hoping to get in the water, that's a long time, okay? I would think that after 38 years, I would have kind of came up with a game plan of, of trying to get myself into the water. You know what I'm saying? Like, come up with something. Like, like, I have, okay, the water just got stirred yesterday. I have 12 months to try to do something, so I'm the first one in next time. And I'd be scooting myself around with my chin if I had to. Okay? I got 12 months, ladies and gentlemen. I'll be scooting around, and I'll be tying their shoes together with my teeth. Okay? They're blind. They can't see what I'm doing, right? Okay? And, man, when the water gets stirred, they get up and try to get in. Boom, they trip. And I'm like, oh, are, you, are you with me tonight? That, that, I mean, 38 years. I would think that something, I would, I would try something, okay? Or better yet, better yet, better yet. You said they're self-absorbed. Why self-absorbed? Better yet, why not try to partner with somebody? Why not try to work with somebody? Okay? Look, you got legs. I got eyes. Buddy system. Are you with me? Okay. Hey, blind guy. Yeah, what up, paralyzed guy? Come over here. Pick me up. I'll be your eyes. Okay. Let's work together as a team and let's get in the water. Okay. But they're so self-absorbed. Okay. And now you've got a picture because I'm sure there were subcultures represented here. Okay. I'm sure that somehow all the blind people found the blind people and all the paralyzed people found the paralyzed people. And all the lame people are over there doing lame things, okay? I'm positive of it, okay? I mean, it's the, it's, I mean, come on, today, isn't it weird how we just seem to find, you know, the people that are dealing with the same issues we are? Are you with me? And they just kind of seem to hang out with one another. And they just kind of seem to bring each other down further and further and further and further, okay? What we create, I'm sure this was going on, okay? But what if they decided to work together? Or, or better yet, better yet, what if... I mean, 38 years. What if he became like the pastor of the, you know, invalids, right? And was like, hey, I got a game plan. What's that? Let's all get in the water at the same time. There's a thought. But yet they were so self-absorbed. They didn't work together. Are you with me tonight? They were so focused on their circumstance. They were so f focused on, on, on what was wrong. Now listen to me. Listen to the question that Jesus asks this guy. Do you want to be healed? Now, now know this, that Jesus is God. God is Jesus. So Jesus already knows. Yes, the guy obviously needs to be healed. 
Whenever Jesus asks a question, it's he's looking for a response, okay? Jesus asks the question, do you want to be healed? The guy's response is this, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. While I'm going, another steps down before me. Does that answer the question at all? No. No. Do you want to be healed? And the guy's response is, yeah, I want to get in the water, but I can't. Listen, his circumstance was not the issue. The issue was is he has lost sight of the dream. He's lost sight of the goal. What's the goal? The goal is to get healed, not to get in the water. And if the healing comes from water, let it come by water. But if it comes by Jesus, let it come by Jesus. But if it comes this way, let it come this way. Are you with me tonight? The, the goal was never to get into the water. The goal was, I, I don't want to be lame anymore. Right? But they've so lost sight of it. Why did they lose sight of it? Because they're so self-absorbed by their circumstance, by how bad their situation is, that they can't even live the dream any longer. Do you want to, do you want to be healed? I love what Jesus does. Now listen, there's a multitude of people there. And Jesus picks the hardest case to teach everybody a lesson. Me? I would have been like, hey, who's been here for the last hour? You? Okay, hey, you come here. You know, I'm going to do a lesson object with, with you. Why is it so important to understand that this guy's been there for 38 years? It's important to understand because this guy now represents the culture of all those people. He is ingrained in this thing, man. This is his life. This is who he is. This is not life had an issue just for a little while. This is a guy who has learned to live in his dysfunction. And he goes after that one. Saying to everybody else around, look, okay, who's been here the longest? You 38 years? Okay, watch everybody. I'm going to do this for this person. I'm going to show you that if you do the exact same thing that this person does, you can be healed too. He goes after the hard case. Do you want to be healed? Huh. They've lost sight of the dream. The dream is never to get in the water, but rather the dream is to be healed. Isn't it funny how you ask people, older people, not children, oh yeah, I know what my dream is, but you ask older people, what's your dream? What do they give you? A story just like this guy did. Oh yeah, you know, I, if I had a different wife, sure. If I had more money, you know. You know, if my parents would have raised me different, you know? No, no, that wasn't the question. The question is, do you, yeah, well, if this wouldn't have happened to me way back when, you know? And if that thing wouldn't have happened, yeah, I mean, sure, you know? That's what this guy's doing. Listen to what he says. He says, the first thing he says, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool. His first excuse is, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. Uh, yeah, I just don't have what I need to... This is the second excuse. Okay, not only does he not have enough, I don't have anyone to put me in the pool of water. But when it is my opportunity, and while I'm going, another steps down in front of me. So not only do I not have, but they have more. They have better. They have this. They have that. And if I had what they had, then maybe. And he gives these excuses, never answering the question. Do you want to be made well get so focused on our circumstances we get so focused on what we don't have you know man well if i was married then i could you know do what god's calling me to do you know or if i you know i just need a better job listen to me you know we're living in a tough economy absolutely okay 
But, but let's just think, maybe the economy's never going to change. Right. Are you going to be here for the next 10 years still saying, well, you know? You know? This is what I realized. I realized this, we, this week, and God spoke to me so clearly. I realized this. I just got back from Bogota, married uh, Joe and Caleb. They'll be back this week. Um, had a great time there. Um, beautiful wedding. And I got back, and, and uh, man, I did what I always do. I unpacked my suitcase. You know, I unpacked my suitcase. Okay. I'm sure you guys are better than that, but I just kind of, you know, kind of weed through it and figure out what's, okay. So my stuff's kind of everywhere, and then I had to run an errand, and, and what I was doing kind of frustrated. So I got back kind of frustrated, and I walked in, and the majority of the stuff on the floor is all mine anyway, but there's some stuff that's not, okay? Um, and, uh, and so the house is kind of cluttered, and I just walk in, and I make this comment, man, this, this house is so messy. Loud enough for my wife to hear it, like, come home to a messy house. I can see the look in her eye, well, clean it then. <laughs> And I was thinking to myself, you know, why, why can't she clean up, okay? So I was thinking. I already, I already, I already talked to her about it. She's cool. <laughs> I was thinking to myself, why can't she clean it up, you know? And all of a sudden, I, I honestly, I heard the voice of God. And he said, Ben, why don't you clean it up? <laughs> and I said, I said, because it's not all my stuff. And God said, whose house is it? I said, mine. He said, then clean it up. I said, I'm signing the house over to my wife. <laughs> On a napkin. Babe, it's your house. Here you go. Bye. Clean it now. No, I was kidding. Um, he said, clean it up. See, you see we'll, we'll seem to take responsibility for the things we've caused in our life. But man, it's so easy to say, well, this happened to me, and that happened to me, and, and this, and that person said this, and that person did that, and that person accused me of doing this thing. You know what? It's your house. Clean it up. It doesn't matter if you caused it or somebody else caused it. It's still your life. Clean it up. Are you with me tonight? See, we can walk around and we can complain all we want, but complaining is not going to get you anywhere. At some point, you've got to stop and realize that, gosh, it's my life, it's my house, it's me. If I want to see a change, I've got to do something about it. Christ Jesus did all he's going to do. He's empowered you to clean your life up. Clean it up. This guy's making excuses. And I love what Jesus does. I love what he does. He did exactly what he did to me this week. He didn't, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't even respond to the guy's excuses. So you and I, man, we, we like, oh, come here. Cry on my shoulder. Tell me all about it, how bad it is. Oh, I know the feeling. I go through the same thing at home, you know. But we want to have these little powwows, okay? I love what Jesus does. And I'm pretty sure if we interpreted this correctly, Jesus says, shut up. <laughs> I'll look for the correct, you know. He doesn't, he doesn't respond to the guy's pathetic excuses. He says this. He says, get up, take up your bed and walk. And look what happens. And at once, the man was healed, took up his bed and walked. Get up. Get up. Get up. Well, this happened to me. Get up. Well, but you don't understand my... Ju- get up. Well, man, if you don't understand my merit, get up. Well, you, you don't understand my... Bo- get up. Get up. Take up your bed... Stop looking at your circumstance. Remember the dream that God has for you. The dream for this man was to walk, not to get into the water. 
So take up your bed and walk. Get up, take up your bed and walk. Jesus is not have a pity party with him. He does not even console him. I know that some people view Jesus like meek, mild, and he just wants to love and cry, on, and cry with me and whatever. And sure, maybe he'll do that sometimes, okay? But I've, I've learned this, at least in my life, the majority of the time, and you can see it throughout the whole Bible. God's like, dude, get up. Get up. I've empowered you. I've given you all things you need for life and godliness. I've given you a mind. Use it. Get up. Take up your bed and walk. Then what are you saying to us tonight? I, I'm saying this tonight. I believe there is something great inside everybody. The Bible says in Corinthians there is a treasure hidden inside earthen vessels. And I believe there is a treasure inside of you. But listen to me tonight. It doesn't matter if you're 20. It doesn't matter if you're 50. Listen to me tonight. If you are making excuses of why you are not walking in that thing, the excuses have to stop at some point. And you've got to get up. You've got to make a decision. You've got to make a choice. You've got to decide, you know what? I'm not going to live in this thing any longer. I'm not going to do this thing. God has empowered me. I'm going to get up today and I'm going to begin to walk. I'm going to begin to go forward. I'm going to begin to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. I'm telling you, some people just have bad attitudes all the time. Nobody here, but out there. And it's like, you know what? I just, I just want to be you know, one of those every once in a while. Now, I have a bad attitude every now and then, and my wife does that. No, I'm just kidding. But you know what? I'm telling you, every time I begin to, I begin to feel sorry for myself, and I begin to think like, oh, man. You know what? Every time God comes, says, Ben, get up. Although a righteous man falls seven times, gets up. Okay? Not just when you've done something, but when something's happened to you. Right. Don't sit there and create a pathetic church. Yeah. Don't sit there and be a pathetic sight. Don't sit there and be blinded to your vision and your dream. Don't sit there and be paralyzed. I can see it. I, I just can't get there. Devise a plan. And if you've got to crawl on your chin, crawl on your chin. Get up. I love what he says here. This last thing he says, take up your bed and walk. I love that because this guy's been laying in that thing for 38 years. In other words, now you can take that up with you. What is that? That to me is your testimony. That to me is your testimony. Man, Look where I laid for 38 years. How did you get out of it? I just stood up and started walking. I just got up. Really? Yeah. I met this guy, and he just looked at me, and, and I was giving him a sad story, and he just looked at me and said, shut up. Take up your bed and walk. And you know what I did? I got up, and I started walking. And this, this look, look, look at, the, look at the indent on my body. Oh, there's still some bed bugs. You know, it's like 38 years. Been laying there. It's a long time. That's a long time. It doesn't matter if it's one year or 38 years. But man, that's your testimony. Look what God did in my life. My wife shared her testimony last, a little bit of her testimony last week. The last time she preached, she shared a little bit more. What, what is that? That was, her, that was her bed. Look, this is what my life used to be like. Look at that. You know, I, I, you know, I tried to kill my life, take my life. I, 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 you know, I, I went through the abortion and, and I did this. And, and there, there it is. That, that's what happened to me. But you know what? I decided to get up one day. I decided to walk. I decided to fulfill the dream. You know what I love about our relationship and you know what I love about our marriage? I love the fact that every morning I get to wake up next to a miracle. She tried to take her life, but yet here she is. A miracle 
Last week she shared how, how when she was 19 years old, she went to that abortion clinic and, and she aborted that baby. The, 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 the boldness of a, of a woman to stand up here and not just tell you what the Bible says about abortion, but to say, you know, I, I went through it myself. But yet to be able to stand on this stage as a pastor. How many pastors would tell you and show you their mat? And say, look, this is what... But you know what? That's a testimony to say, you know what? This is what life was like before Jesus. But this is what life is like with Jesus. And all I had to do was make one decision and say, I'm laying hold of that for which Christ Jesus is laying hold of me. And every day when you get up, and every day when I get up, you and I have the opportunity to get out of bed and say, man, today is the day. Man, I, I, I grabbed hold of a little bit of it yesterday. But I'm going to grab hold of a little bit more tonight and a little bit more tomorrow and a little bit more this afternoon. And I'm going to be an access point for people to discover Jesus Christ. But I'm not going to stop there because Jesus Christ didn't just die on the cross to save somebody. He died on the cross to reveal their dream to them and to help them fulfill that dream. All you got to do is get up, take up your bed, and walk. Divine sovereignty, human responsibility. By grace, you've been saved through faith. God, we thank you for your word tonight. God, we thank you that your word is so wonderful, so amazing, and so awesome. Hmm. God, I thank you that your word, God, it's not just stories. It's not just ideals. God, but your word is living. The reason it's living is because it actually happened. Hallelujah. 